Welcome to another episode of Running on Optimism, the podcast for amateur runners or really anyone drawing inspiration from something or someone in their lives to achieve new goals in fitness. I'm Sonia Rita, and today's episode is the last episode of 2021. It's been an incredible journey with so many amazing guests, and today's guest is Dr. Kim Rodriguez, founder of the running group Latinas Running and owner of the chiropractic practice ChiroCare in Marietta, Georgia. Dr. Rodriguez's own health journey ultimately led her to a place where she's created and hopes to maintain and grow spaces for athletes of all ages, shapes, sizes, and abilities to feel comfortable getting outdoors and enjoy moving their body. I'm very excited to have Kim Rodriguez here with me having this conversation that I think is going to just kind of flourish into something super interesting, super inspiring. So Kim, if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, where you located and what got you running in the first place. First, Sonia, thank you for having me on your platform today. Uh, I am a Guatemalan American. I was born in Washington, DC, raised in Northern Virginia. I'm currently located in Marietta, Georgia, which is about 25 minutes from downtown Atlanta. I am a doctor of chiropractic. I recently opened my office this summer and, and I'm practicing right now as a family chiropractor. So I serve people from all walks of life. And I'm also a runner and the founder of a running community called Latinas Running. There's a lot to unpack because you wear a lot of hats and it's all just amazing. I think what really um, attracted me to your story is how you use your platform and how you promote love of self, regardless of your body type. So tell me a little bit about your running journey and how you got to where you are today and then starting Latinas Running. Yep. So I started running back in 2013. I signed up for a 10K with my sorority sisters back at Virginia Commonwealth University. I just showed up with them. I didn't even know what a 10K was. I got very sparked at that. It's called the Monument 10K and it's one of the biggest races in Richmond. And the rush of just the crowd and everybody really sparked my interest. Then I signed up for an 8K the following year, still in Richmond by myself. And that's when really my, my running journey kicked off. Uh, following a few months after, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I really struggled with my weight during that year. I started gaining a lot of weight. My mental health was you know, trickling down. And I felt I needed a goal to just that at that point felt like impossible, but to like an, an escape from everything that was going on on my daily life. And so I decided to sign up for a half marathon and I had only done three races at that point. And a lot of people thought I was crazy because they're like, you don't even really run. <laughs> and I started, I found a training program on Pinterest. And what I did is, and I just started searching half marathon training plans and I created my own and I did it old school. I, I bought a poster board from the dollar store and I planned out all my weeks, put it on my room. And every day I would just go and start walking. And I walked myself to a half marathon. 
and that was a monumental race for me. Uh, and that's when I feel really my running journey really kicked off. Since then, I've been running on and off. Uh, but those are the biggest distances. I've done three halves. The last race I did was the one during the uh, before the pandemic, the Disney half marathon. And then from then, I've just been on and off, like running and incorporate a lot of walking now in my journey as well. That's what I find amazing when I talk to runners and when I kind of just put that question out there, how did your running journey begin? I find that it's always inspired by something, something that you can either choose to let it take over you and consume you. And, um, you know, as I know with with, uh, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, your hormones are so all over the place, which can also lead to depression and anxiety. And on top of that, the rapid weight gain and fluctuations in that way can make you feel really terrible. you chose to use that as a moment to say, you know what, I need to set a concrete, tangible goal for myself to dig myself out of this. And I find that running for some reason, and maybe it's just the people I talk to, um, seems to be that thing that people find. So running definitely was a healing, a part of my journey. Uh, Running and chiropractic, which is crazy. This is how I'm a chiropractor too. Uh, At that point, uh, before I started grad school to become a chiropractor, um, they had told me I needed surgery. And I kept up with uh, running. And after I had finished, I basically had a benign mass in my uterus, uh, not to get into so much detail, but they had told me that I was going to have it surgically removed. And so while I was training for this half marathon, which was the Marine Corps half, Mm. Um, I was getting like follow-up visits and by the end of my half marathon, a few months after, and when I had just started seeing a chiropractor for the first time, I ended up not having to have the surgery. The mass kept getting smaller. Oh, wow. So running and chiropractic, both of them helped my body just self-regulate and I ended up not having to have a surgery. And that's why I am a chiropractor today. <laughs> I'm big about, you know, there's so much power that our body has and why running became, it was healing to me as well. So that kind of just, they're both, yeah, that's how, who I am now today, years later. <laughs> yeah. And it makes sense. Um, so I also was diagnosed with PCOS when I was in college um, and um what happens is, especially for those who aren't aware, especially around the time of the month when your, your hormones are fluctuating, your ovaries can be covered in cysts. Um, and those cysts come and go with hormones. And it makes sense that when you're running and you're working toward, because it's also been studied that running and exercise can reduce your pain, your menstrual pain because of the hormones and everything that you're releasing. So, I mean, that makes an incredible, amazing sense. And actually I am, when, when I got pregnant with my daughter, we thought it was going to be a a tough road because of the polycystic ovaries. And actually, um, luckily we had a, we have a beautiful little girl. So it all went all right. So tell me more about your chiropractic journey. So you were in college, how long did it get how long did it take for you to get to the point where you're like, okay, you know what? I want to be a doctor in, uh, in chiropractic. 
Uh, it was very quick, actually. I I was on a track. I wanted to become a physical therapist, and it was oh. my last year during my senior year. When I was walking down the street, and a chiropractor approached me. Uh, he was doing a talk in her like at her school. And he asked, uh, do you know what chiropractic is? And I said, they crack backs. And he just giggled. And uh, <laughs> they brought me, you know, I joined in on the conversation. And once they explained how chiropractic is an art science philosophy, and it's more than what people think, it's just, it's not back cracking. It's not neck. Uh, there's not even a crack, you know, that's not even the terminology we use. Uh, he invited me to his office and then I started shadowing and I saw the first adjustment I saw was a, a baby being adjusted um, and it was really, really powerful. I started shadowing it every Friday and I just fell in love with it. And so I was ready to uh, have my PT applications. I was a physical therapy tech at that time when uh, my life changed and I saw the power that was happening, the healing in their offices, the culture. Uh, so that's when I decided not to go to PT school and I left Virginia and I am a chiropractor now <laughs> doing the same. I'm a pediatric chiropractor because uh, Dr. Sandy oh. album inspired me and that's how my life changed. So you wanted to do physical therapy. So it seems to me that you always wanted to kind of help people um, be their best selves and be their healthiest selves. What from the, from the get, what inspired you to be a PT that then you kind of trans transition to chiropractic? So since I was little, since I was little elementary school, I would always say I was going to be a pediatrician and I was going to see kids and be a doctor, but growing up, especially in the, you know, growing up, we don't really understand or get taught that there's so many different types of doctors. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until high school, I played sports. I was actually a competitive rowing rower. So that was my main sport. I was rowing, and that's kind of where my running journey began in a way in the outdoors without realizing it because we would have to train and train for many months before we could even get on a boat. Um, and so I got injured and I would go to the trainer's room and then he was like, you know, you could maybe do this in sports medicine or PT. So now I feel now I'm a doctor that kind of my dreams at the end of the day, um, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm working with kids. In my office, I, I incorporate a little bit of rehab as well. So sports chiropractic. Uh, so now it's kind of like I am found my own niche and my dreams never really changed. I'm, I'm, but it's just now with my own twist. So that's the beauty about chiropractic. It's very versatile and we all have different ways of what we practice and who we serve. And so I serve from babies to athletes, to runners, to everybody. That's amazing. And the way, I mean, you're absolutely right. Your dream never changed. You always wanted to help kids um, just the way you got there, kind of shifted along the way. Yeah, the whole holistic natural healing, which I had never learned about, uh, that's what really got me. And that's why I, I just ended up go, going to a different route. <laughs> so tell me more about rowing. Rowing is intense. Holy cow. Rowing is intense. So what was training? What is training like for a high school Ooh. rower? Rowing was the hardest sport I've ever done in my life. Uh, as a high school, every morning after, um, well, as soon as we would uh, get out of high school, we would have to ride over to the river, which was like 40 minutes from my high school. The first thing we had to do is we would have to run in the trails. Uh, sometimes our practices were four miles, five miles, 
two miles in the winter time, uh, weight training. Uh, but a lot of people think when they're rowing, they think of where it's just arm work, but 60% of your power comes from your legs as you drive off the sea. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it required a lot of just commitment. And, and I was in the best shape of my life when I was back in high school as a rower. And then in, I rode in college, I got to row the first two years as well. And that was more intense because we would row even in the wintertime. Sometimes there was still like ice on the water and our practices then were at four in the morning. So it's, yeah, it was very, very intense. So running, uh, that's, I didn't even realize, but that's when, that's why I love, I'm outdoorsy. I love the outdoors and I think, I think rowing for that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why rowing is such a great uh, cross-training tool for injury and, and all of that, um, you know, less impact, but you're still using all of that power from your legs and your core. And it, I, I love rowing. I love hate it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it is so hard. It's a love-hate relationship for sure. <laughs> yeah, because it is so hard. So when did you form... Actually, no, let me back up. So you decided to open up a chiropractic practice in the middle of a pandemic. How did that come about? So I haven't been open that long, yeah. uh, but I, yes, I decided to just jump. My goal, I graduated December, 2019, and then um, COVID happened. And while that, I was supposed to take my boards after, while I was finishing up my boards after graduation, I couldn't practice right away because my boards kept getting canceled and rescheduled because of the pandemic. And so then as 2020 was a setback, uh, I then once I got my license at the end of the year, I started interviewing at offices and I just didn't find the right office for me. And so I just decided to take a leap of faith and I decided to just open up and now I'm here and it's slowly growing the, the office, but this was always a dream of mine was to have my practice, but I didn't see it till maybe five years after and become an associate first. But also I think just even starting a community with Latinas running gave me a lot of that confidence, how you know I've been able to, to impact people and serve from just really being showing my journey. And uh, it kind of gave me a little power, like I, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> so I just jumped. Yeah. So tell me more about Latinas running. Why and what what is the mission and um, why did you decide to put yourself out there in your story for this mission? Latinas running is a virtual online running community. Uh, The goal with Latinas running is to really empower all runners, promote body positivity and help create diversity. I started Latinas running back in 2019 after I had left a women's trail fest by Collectively Outside, I heard a runner who's been uh, a big inspiration to me, Myrna Valerio. She's an ultra runner. She's a book writer. She's phenomenal. And I heard her speak that if there's not a community for you, create one. And back in Richmond and when I started running, I remember just sometimes even drive, like driving by and contemplating signing up for running groups, but I never saw people that looked like me or they were super fast. And as a slow runner, as a plus size runner, I just never felt like I could, it was (laughs) welcoming. And, and, and I remember going to a couple and I just didn't feel welcome. 
and just being reminded that everybody can, you know, run no more, no matter, you don't have to be an eight minute pacer, seven minutes. And so I then just opened the Instagram and just been started showing my journey and who I am and trying to connect with other runners. And then, but really uh, that same year, so that was July, the Women's Trail Fest. And then in February, I did my Disney half princess half marathon and going to Orlando I was just amazed by I would I would think that I would see more women of color for one of the biggest running events for women and there yeah. really wasn't and I I, I love the Disney princess half yeah. marathon I love meeting all the women there but I it was like there this you know I just got tired of going to packet pickups uh, I'm like, how cool would it be to show with a community and we show up in shirts and we all go together and, and that's when it just started. And so now I've been able to slowly build our in-person community here in Atlanta. And so I'll host events uh, that really bring community together, try to honor our Latinx culture as well, remind people that everybody can be a part of our community. You don't have to be Latina. You don't have to be a, a female. You can support however you want. Uh, I'm very big on inclusivity and making that space, uh, but also reminding people about, you know, sharing our culture as well as the majority are Latinas. Yeah. Uh, and there's just not that many communities like that for representation and diversity. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, I had mentioned before we started recording that I, I'm Latina, but I'm a white passing Latina and I understand the what that, the implication of that and what space that puts me in. I want to dive into what more, because you could have turned away, right? You, you're at the Disney Princess Half. And again, just like with your battle with PC, PCOS, you could have turned away, but instead you decided to make something of it and make sure that you supported other people. What is it within you that drives you to do that? Where does your inspiration come from? Uh, oh, man. I guess I still felt very empowered. Like, no, you know, running itself, it's a community, regardless of how we look like. And, but so that moment was just very powerful for me. And at the Trail Fest, and even going to the Trail Fest and running events that I've been to, races that I've seen, let's face it, there's just not that many of, of people of color out there as many. It's been growing over the years, but back in 2019, I remember even running the Monument 10K, there wasn't. Uh, and so I think there's just a lack of need. And even growing up for me, I, to, I was 20, I think 21, 22, when I found out about a 10K and that was because of my sorority sisters. Mm -hmm. I never knew what a 5K was. I never knew what a 10K half marathon in our culture. Uh, growing up, uh, you know, soccer is a big deal and it's men, always the, the guys out there playing sports for the majority. Women in, in many countries to this day, Latin American countries are doing the household chores. The, if you're the oldest of the sibling, you know, you're taking, helping your mom taking care. So even sports like here, you know, there's, there's just not that privilege, because uh, it is a privilege uh, be, uh, you know, <laughs> that a lot of parents don't have that. And sometimes kids, even their, the middle child wants to play sports, but they got to help mom and dad. So economic status, um, our communities, the underrepresented community, they don't have that, that luxury of being able to sign up their kids for sports and running is just not, we don't just, we don't see it. 
period. And so when I got to experience it and witness it, that's when I was like, we need this. This should be normalized. Uh, there should be more Latina girls and just everybody being able to know what is a 10K? Can I go with mom and dad and walk one? So I think that just the lack of it really was my fire. Yeah, it's funny because um, in Latin America, you measure distance in kilometers, <laughs> but somehow like you don't know that, oh yeah, you can run for six kilometers, right? So when you decided to do rowing in high school, what, what, what support did you get from your parents? Like my parents, when I was in high school, I did field, some field hockey, some lacrosse, and they're like, okay, yeah, you can go ahead, do this. I mean, you want it, you got to go figure it out. What, what was your support at home when you decided to join high school sports? So my parents were very supportive. I was very grateful for them. It was really new though. They were like, what? And I think this is now, um, rowing was a big monumental to what I've done. Uh, everything that I've done uh, with that, now that we're talking about this particular topic, because when I signed up for that rowing team, I was the only Latina in the entire crew team. Uh, well, there was one more, but one like with my skin complexion, a little bit darker and nobody else. Um, so even that itself, <laughs> I went to a, a very, uh, you know, for the mostly Caucasian dominated high school. So there was Latinas, there were just four of us that graduated in my high school. So my parents were super supportive. They were just new. They're like, you're what? <laughs> they never even heard of crew and rowing. And so they worked really hard because being on the on the crew team was expensive. You know, the rowings, it's a, it's not a cheap sport. Yeah. So uh, they were I was grateful that they they were able to support me, but it was even really new for them. Yeah, I, I can totally understand that. Like I said, my parents are like, OK, go ahead, do it. I have no idea what you're talking about, but go ahead and do it. Um, Luckily, I was the youngest of four, so I think in, in some ways I had a little bit more opportunity to explore those different things. What are your hopes with, with Latinas running? I know you're growing, I'm, you're growing your chapter in Atlanta. Is like at some point, do you hope to see more chapters throughout? Yeah, that's definitely my goal. I, it's been a blessing and to see just the community grow throughout the country. Uh, there's a lot of members that are in Los Angeles, Texas, a big following, Chicago, uh, New York, pretty much everybody's scattered, but for sure LA is, there's a lot of members that are very active from Los Angeles, and I would love to, my goal is to be able to start those chapters, but also do eventually like a little running tour where I will host a group run in LA and meet, and then eventually have you know, maybe ambassadors to help me out. So my my goal is for sure would start it small. Now I I want to spread the community everywhere as the the years go by. Uh, so that's yeah, that's my main goal is to always keep it in an in inclusive community where everybody's welcome to to come and run and walk with us. I think it's something that is really growing in all in running is more inclusivity. I think, um, I think aside from, you know, the 5Ks and the 10Ks, I, I've recently read an article where uh, trail running mm -hmm. is, is like the new, the new place to kind of plant that seed as well. 
Yeah. And even that, you know, that's even a, a sub community in our running community, the trail running. Uh, and it's been really even like in our the Latinos running community, I admire so much the trail runners and I've connected uh, like after a women's trail fest, somebody from Latinos running really got inspired by that event and was like, I kind of think I want to do trail running now. So it's been cool even that uh, to start connecting and so that runners, you know, because many of us don't even know about trail running or get introduced or until we do it. A, uh, it's like wow that's a whole <laughs> different route in itself so even that too just supporting and it's been the, there's only a few trail runners in the community and to start con and spreading that awareness too of how there's trail trail running out there yeah you know what the interesting thing about um running is that it should be a very low cost of entry right so you got sneakers pants a shirt and you can go but and, and it is a very, very welcoming community. But at the same time, there's a group that, there are groups of people who can at the same time feel marginalized because they don't have the latest Nikes. They don't have the latest, um, I don't, compression pants or, or recovery tools. What do you say to those people about just lacing up and getting out for a run? I think, you know, like right now, I've, even in our community, I, I would tell people that really, yeah, you just need a pair of shoes. Like there's nothing really that can limit you from starting and you don't need the most high tech. You don't need the, you know, if there's a runner out there struggling or if when I stumble upon that, sometimes even going to Goodwill or finding, you know, there's a lot of athletic wear, Marshalls or anything you can find that you don't need that high tech. You don't need a pair of Brooks, even though I love, you know, Brooks, <laughs> but you know, you don't need um, like in, in, there's some countries like there's in Mexico, there's a, a, forget what town it is, the rubber, I forget, Ramuri runners. I'm, I can't say. Are they ultra runners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what yeah. Is it? The, do you know the name? No, but I will look I it up. I not anybody listening. I'm so sorry. Here, actually. But they are just very powerful women and they run in Waraches. And it's so, so amazing uh, to see all that oh, they do. I found found it. Uh, Tarahumara? Yeah. They, yeah, they run in Waraches. They don't have, <laughs> you know, they're running a hundred mile races and it's just very empowering. So I think that's just simple tools that you need, like you said, and, and you don't have to sign up for all the, the races and all that yet, you know, just enjoy the run and build up and when you can, because I, I also feel, you know, just some people, I know I can't sign up for a 5k every week if I wanted to, it's, it's an expense, $40 yeah. for metal each time that adds up, right? Um, signing up for a half, it's like $80 to $100 or more. Yeah. So it's also another big expense for those who can't, but starting small or reminding them, you can, you can just sign up for a 5k and start that way as you build up. Or even ha have it just be your social tool, get a group of people who you enjoy spending time with and, and get out there for a run. It doesn't have to be for a specific race, just get out and run. Yep. And that's why all my events right now, um, you know, they're, they're free, <laughs> you know, I do my best to 
also uh, do giveaways when I can. Uh, I'm grateful that I recently was able to partner with Columbia Sportswear, which they've supported the past two events for me. So even small things that, yeah, just this topic we're talking about that we don't have the access to a nice trailhead. So that's one of my mission is to be able to do that and continue to do that, to give back to the community. But a lot of these challenges that I put a lot of time into creating and making everything I'm doing myself is because I'm truly just passionate about helping others and uplifting them, uh, both in the running and, you know, in their health and wellness journey. And that's why I, I keep my events like that. There's no, to, to be a member of Latina's Running is easy. You can be part of her Facebook group, be involved in the community and follow. I, I don't have all these crazy fees or anything like that. And that's why I'm keeping it at a community. It's a community for now. And the funny thing is about running apparel is that there are really expensive shoes for minimalist running. I find that very ironic. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> so what does your running look like now? With, I mean, with your business and everything, what does your running look like? So honestly, right now I took a break from running. Uh, I have now the past two years, since I had, uh, I've had a meniscus tear injury oh. uh, before the Disney half. Um, it happened in 28. I'm just more cautious and I don't do as much like I cycle. And honestly, I have always been against walking, meaning just personally, I've never liked to walk. I, I was a Zumba teacher back in the day. And so I've always been just more active. Like I, I like, and so walking, I was like, I get bored or I don't like to walk, but walking really, I was starting to struggle again with depression and really anxiety during the pandemic. And, you know, as many of us, uh, many people in this country struggled with their mental health. So walking became monumental for me uh, as part of my mental health. And that's where I've been cycling more right now. As I opened up my business, I've just been really, really busy. And so I've been I took a break and I've been picking it up, but just doing activities that I enjoy. But my goal is um, for sure at the, I'm already looking at to do my comeback race uh, for uh, uh, thinking about the 15K hot chocolate in Atlanta happening in February. Oh, nice. So I'll sign up for that because I've never done a 15K, but my goal is to do another half next year and then build up to a marathon within the next two years. Because that's, that's, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. So I want to run Chicago that's that's there. exciting so chicago 2023 uh 2022 oh yeah oh. so that's or 2021 so that's where i'm gonna i'm gonna wow. decide <laughs> but asap but that's i'm i'm gonna build up to a marathon wait mm -hmm. do do people know this or is this like the first time know. you're putting it out it's into the, the first time <laughs> well you know what's funny about when i decided because i thought I would never do a marathon when I decided it took me two years to get there to do the marathon. I put it out there because I needed to, to, um, it almost mean held me accountable. I put this out there. Now you can't, you can't pull back. No, I can't pull back. Yeah. So I never thought, and before I was like, I'm never going to do a, a, a marathon. You know, I was like, it's just too much for me, but you know, what's been beautiful is just being part of this uh, 
starting Latinas Running, I've been also been able to connect with amazing people, other communities and running communities, runners like you that I've seen who, you know, you just ran your marathon and it's just really inspiring. Like it's inspiring to be, you know, just inspiring by seeing other people's journeys and posts and tags. And I just love the running community for that. So I have been inspired too by uh, Myrna's group of fat girl running, it's mm-hmm. called fat girl running. And I just see there's no limit, you know, there's no limit to, to running and your goals. And that's when really the inspiration and during the pandemic and seeing people achieve these goals. And especially now to me was really powerful to see uh, how runners who had signed up last year for marathons, their marathons got canceled Mm -hmm. and, you know, they had trained all these months and all that. And they're dealing with the stress of the pandemic. And many of them are, you know, are moms, all this, all this pressure. And yet they still went out there and they did a virtual marathon by themselves with no squad, with no Mm -hmm. cheers, with no water stations. Uh, I was able to thankfully be able to be a part of somebody's journey Uh, here at Latinas Running. I had been following her journey and she did the virtual uh, Marine Corps marathon and I got up early to go support her. And it was just so powerful that she was out there for hours. And so even seeing that for the first time during the pandemic uh, just really inspired me too to step up. You know, I'm like, I can do this. <laughs> and now, now I really want to run a marathon. <laughs> I, you, and you can. So when I, we, I started running in 2015, um, I did my first 5k for Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation um, to raise money for childhood cancer research as my daughter was going through chemo for a spinal cord tumor. And, um, so every year I kind of built on that. We did the 5k, we did the 5k and I'd get faster and I get faster and I kept getting faster and then I kept getting injured. So when it was finally time to, to get into this marathon training cycle, I was nervous because I, I, I was ready to go. New York was not going to get canceled. And, um, that's when I learned how to run, walk and do intervals. And for a very long time, I didn't want to walk. And what I learned from run, walking the marathon is that it doesn't matter how you complete it. If you did the 26.2 miles, you are a marathoner. And that's what I, that's what I love about what you do with Latinas running that's what I love about running as a whole is it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as you're achieving those goals for yourself. And I understand that when you're not seeing people who look like you doing these things and you're not represented in that way, that you can feel like you don't belong. And that's why it's so important for people like you to kind of bear that for others. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and the, the how you're sharing about me, that's how I feel now with runners that I'm following, uh, that it's inspiring. It's inspiring to see, and even, you know, plus size runners, how amazing and powerful they are as they finish that finish across. We know it's one, we all cross the same finish line. Uh, so I've been inspired too. And that's why representation, because I had never seen that. And so now that I see people like that for the first time, it's inspiring me that, okay, we can, you know, we can still push through this and and achieving higher goals now. 
So I, I love the running community for that. It's been such a blessing to connect with runners, you know, being able to be on this talk with you right now on your podcast is, it's just um, a great thing to be inspired by others. I, I, I love the community for that. Yeah, I've, and this podcast has given me an opportunity to talk to so many people. So what, what do you think are some other challenges for the Latinx community to get into running? I think one of the biggest things uh, is awareness, defining really what running is. Uh, that's, that's big because for some, and it's already, I've been stumbling upon that in the community. I've had runners tell me that DM me or personal that this is the first time they actually feel their miles count or that it's okay to run slow. That many times they're like, I, I'm, I'm not a runner, so I'm not going to go. And in their mindset, it's because they're not fast. So they won't go to these events or they won't sign up. Many of them, I tell them, you know, the, a lot of 5K, basic, most 5Ks, uh, there's a pace. If you look up the, they don't even know that of going to the website, you can look up the regulations of that race. What are the pace limits? The, the, a lot, some pace limits here in Atlanta. This is why I love Atlanta Track Club. I, I've done several of their events. They're an amazing running community here organization. And a lot of their 5Ks, you know, the, the pace is 25 minutes per mile. So I, I say you can walk it. You can walk it. Or if you start running, then you get tired, then walk. The whole run walk, the Galloway uh, mm-hmm. method, people don't know about that. Um, the Je- You know, he's amazing, Jeff Galloway, for making that. So I, I think just awareness, education, too, in the running community, what we were just talking about, that you don't need, fan, you know, like the best shoes uh, as a chiropractor, I recommend them, but it's not, there's, you don't need to, to start your journey. Mm-hmm. You don't need that right away. So I think that's, that's the biggest thing is the education, the having the representation of the spaces. Now, even at my events, people have been shocked when all the event, I'm, I'm always the, the caboose <laughs> because I never want anybody to feel like anybody's left behind so I always stay in the back to make sure and I always walk for the most part because I had one event which was amazing somebody tell me that she showed up but she was a little little intimidated to start running and you know she pulled me on the side and said is it okay I walk and I said of course and so I walked with her and she said that's the first time she felt that she showed up to a run club but it was okay to walk and that's why I purposely walk so that nobody feels intimidated um, that if you're going there to even spark your interest of running, that you have to immediately jump and run. Yeah. And a lot of walkers turn into running. That's why I emphasize in the community, because once you start moving, that's when you start, okay, maybe I can walk, maybe I can run. And then I'll sign up. I encourage people, you know, start as a walker and then move yourself. Sometimes you got to learn how to walk before you run. And so that's just been something I've been even experiencing and in my own community that people are shocked or when people say, oh, you did, we, we're only running two miles. Yes, because I pick distances that are uh, uh, welcome friendly. All my events are beginner friendly. My challenges are beginner friendly. If you're an advanced runner, great. Then those, they just do it twice or they keep running and then they come back. 
So that's, that's the biggest thing is being reminded. And one last thing in our community, especially as women in the Latinx community, we're just really, there high expectations with their family about our weight, uh, being called gordita, all this name calling. Mm. Uh, so it's, I see that struggle too, and the body, body awareness and the body self-love and oh, okay, I, I'm actually a plus size runner and it's okay to own it. And jogging is not jogging. I can call it running. Yeah. Yes, you can call it running. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. I, I think the J word is my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to call myself as a jogger because I, I thought I there was a point at the beginning where I thought I was too overweight and I didn't qualify as a runner. And I had that mindset from several years until I now own it I'm a runner and even through my own family I've had a break like they're like but or or you ran that for fun right no like (laughs) that was my race or yeah you know like they don't understand but they're like but you're not a runner why because I didn't do track and field no I'm a runner so even that even with my own circle I've had to educate and stand up for myself and be like no I'm a runner and my 5k is actually me trying or it's not a, a a fun one uh so even that, even with an, an experience that with even in my own circle of the lack of awareness and education there is, that's been a why. Yeah. And I think that owning that word runner and being able to put yourself in that box also can motivate you to do more of it. But if, because I, I can relate and there's been so many people I spoke, I've spoken to that for some reason, putting that label of runner on yourself seems to be like the end all be all. And, and you forget that you are just for having stepped out of the house, just for having gone for that run, you are a runner. And every runner, there's a, there's space for every runner in this community. Yeah, it's the little things, right, that are just so powerful that we don't get reminded enough or, or and be told. And that's where why I, I try to bring the body positivity and those affirmations, that confidence, because what oh, the only thing that matters is what makes sense to you and your running journey. Like you don't have to explain to anybody. You don't, you know, you tailor it to how what it makes sense to you, but owning up to that, that as long as you lace up your shoes and you're doing the act, the verb of, <laughs> of putting one foot in front of the other, then that qualifies you as a runner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the wonderful thing about running and why it's so sad sometimes if people feel like they they can't get into it is that it really is such an individual sport. You, we're not professionals. We're not racing against anyone. We're racing against our best self and becoming better with each step we take. And I, I love that you're spreading that and, and creating a larger running community. And it is such a, such a part of Latinx culture to point out or give nicknames based on physical appearance, like the little things like orejas, if you've got big ears or, or ventanillas. And when you wear glasses, I was flaca or gringa. (laughs) Yeah. All these, all these terms, right. And they kind of just stick with you. Uh, 
throughout time and you don't realize uh, growing up as a kid that that becomes emotional for me always gordita when I go home or because undergrad was really stressful for me grad school and so with my PCOS I would gain weight and I would just get reminded of oh estás más gordita or now for the holidays uh you get reminded of oh you go visit family wow you're you've gained weight or you've gained some COVID weight or it's always these uh reminders and so now even even with people that I've loved, I've had to set those boundaries. Mm-hmm. We don't get taught boundaries. Um, what is it to you? Even with your family, you get, you have to set those boundaries. So now I say, I know what I look like every day when I look myself in the mirror and I'm brushing my teeth. I don't need anybody else's opinion to remind me of how I look like. So those are those are things that, you know, growing up there, it's a joke, but it's that passive aggressive behavior that then gets to and it, and for some reason we just we allow it and the generations and so I'm I'm a whole like <laughs> I'm a little cutthroat with that about just breaking generational curses to me that's a curse uh, all these traumas I'm you know I'm <laughs> I'm the I'm the shaker the ground shaker and shifting things that I just were not okay with me growing up and that's that's why I I am the way that I am but it's it's just really important and why I try to remind that, especially in our community and uh, the just the name calling becomes powerful when we grow up. Yeah. And when do you when did you decide to shake those things off? I mean, for me, like my thing was was flaca. So I can't. And, and the sad thing is, is that like flaca can go either way. Right. It could be a positive or a negative. Yep. Porque flaca no tiene that you know, your caderas aren't the same as like everybody else or, or está muy flaco or it's, it's just all so loaded. When did you decide to, to enough is enough and I need to start setting these boundaries and what empowered you to be able to set those boundaries, especially because it is often with family? Yeah. Um, I think, and just quickly on what you said about flaca, that's why I try to remind people too, when body positive, it's not just for the us who are plus size, it's also, it's on all the spectrum, right? Because even, you know, everybody who's struggling or who are very, you know, slim and thin, they're also struggling or they constantly get reminded, oh, you're so skinny or you don't have it that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> that everybody can be affected by it. But it's a different me, cross to bear. Yes. Um, so for me was, uh, it took many years to get to this point. I'm still working at it. But now for me now as a professional, as a health professional, and when I even get uh, judged or told you should be doing this, or you are you watching this? And so I've had to set those boundaries that now I am a health professional. <laughs> uh, I know about nutrition and health. That is my degree. I have an exercise physiology degree. I know all these backgrounds. So uh, just that standing up for myself um, and to setting those boundaries with my family, there was just a point where I was already struggling internally with my PCOS and it's been a journey with my weight that I told myself, telling yourself and waking up and self-sabotaging yourself, like the, the last half marathon, there was a little bit of self-sabotage because I was I was training so hard and I would never see the, and I wasn't doing it for the weight. But I was hoping that at least some of my pounds would, you know, and I could see no change physically. 
but then I was like, I started to uh, switch into the whole, but what are your non-skill victories? How are you feeling more energized, mm. better internally? I did the whole 30 and that also helped me because they, that's, that's not a, a diet. It's a reset for 30 days. And I got to, I, I learned the whole 30, I bought the books and there's a whole page of check marks that you do non-skill victories. Is your skin glowing? Is your acne away? So all those and that's when I, I told myself, uh, talking to yourself negatively, negatively does no, no positive, uh, no positive outcomes. Uh, it, that's not going to change how I wake up tomorrow and how I look, but the way that I talk to myself, the way that I, those actions, repetitive action affirmations have been something I've been trying to do. And, and at the end of the day, if, if you, the way you treat yourself is the way it sets a boundary of how people tr treat you. And so if we don't own up and we're not confident enough with ourselves. And so now when I get any type of that, either I don't, um, somebody, you know, even stops me, the moment somebody talks about my weight, I just cut it real short or I just don't entertain it or I leave it on red. Like if it's a DM or, oh, you should be doing it. I, and to, that's no response to the response. Yeah. And sometimes it just doesn't need my energy. No, uh, but it's just very important to send your boundaries about yourself, your body, uh, you're in control and nobody has the right to, to talk about it. Yeah. So one of my thing, favorite things about running um, that I've seen or read, I don't know where I got the idea from, but it was when you're out there running, talk to yourself and coach yourself like you would a friend. And that applies everywhere talk to yourself like you would your best friend who you're trying to make feel better. I love that. And it's so true, right? And that that's when I realized I feel we're so easy to cheer somebody else and you go girl, you look great today. I love that shirt. Yeah. But how many times do we do it to ourselves? Yeah. And so that's, that's been a, it's a work, you know, in progress. There's still days sometimes when I struggle with my, my body image, but I've doing those things and those activities. I did a body positive workshop with Latinas running uh, last year and I had them just write, what are 10 things you love about yourself? Or think 10 things you don't like about yourself. We quickly were able to point things out, but then write 10 things you love about yourself. And it, oh, that's <laughs> so sad. simple questions that you're like, and that's when it was, it was a realization. And so though a lot of the activities that I do too, and things that I do, are, I'm doing it for myself, mm -hmm. but I'm like, why not spread it? Why not share it with somebody else that I'm sharing? Hey, I, that's why I'm very open in my journey in my posts and storytell. I never really, uh, I try to be as authentic as I can. And sometimes sharing my posts, even through Latinas running, I shared a PCOS post and somebody told me in the group that she had struggled with PCOS since high school. And it is, I, the post that I made gave her the courage to share it for the first time for PCO Awareness Month. And she was like, thank you for being brave because now I see there's, there's no reason why I should be hiding. And it's, the world needs to know this. So your story is powerful, even if it only touches one person and more people will be impacted. Absolutely. It. And I feel like um, with things like PCOS, the world is afraid of women and their hormones. The world is so afraid of women and their hormones and their lady bits. And 
this world would not be where it is with all of these humans if it were not for women and their hormones and their lady bits. Yep. So we need to stop pretending that hormones and fluctuations and all of this um, is taboo and mm-hmm. we need to start normalizing it. Yep. I And one last thing I'll share what we're talking about. I had somebody shocked who came into my practice and in the, in the bathroom that I have, I put uh, pads and tampons. I've never seen a medical office or a chiropractic office with tampons and pads. And I said, I know. <laughs> and that's why I'm doing it because this should be accessible to us women when we go in, if we're on our period. And so the pads are there for you ladies, you know, so I, something so simple that I'm doing in my office that I've only been open for a little over three months. And I had the first person notice that last week. And it was a, that felt like, why is there, why do you have this stuff here? And I'm like, yeah, it should be normal. Because <laughs> it happens. It happens like, like, like people pee and poop. Women also once a month do this thing, unless you've got hormonal things going on. <laughs> It's, it's crazy. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm glad that we just kind of just like put it out there. We, we've, <laughs> we've got things and, and it's all very complex and it actually is all that much more amazing what we as women do in running, because depending on the week of the month, our, our training, our bodies are, it can all look so different. Mm-hmm. And it's important to understand that. I feel even these conversations need to happen. Just being reminded how powerful we are as women uh, in running too. And when our, you know, our cycles come, I remind people just to take it easy. Listen to your body. Uh, Even a simple reminder of reminding yourself to listen to your body is just really powerful. Really, really powerful. And we don't do it. um, (laughs) We don't, we don't do it enough. No, and I, and I think it's a societal issue too, where we think that when we are taxed at, to the max and we can no longer keep our eyelids open because we did all the things, that's when we're actually good people and hardworking. And that's not the case. You need to be kind to yourself in, in so many ways. Yeah, like rest shouldn't be a luxury. It should, should be a part of what we do. And like you said, it's just a society. We're on overdrive all the time. And so reminding ourselves to take it easy is just important. And that's what I learned through marathon training too. I actually gained weight um, in my training cycle and it felt so empower- empowering because I knew that I needed to gain that weight, that I needed to eat, to put my body through five hours, 30 minutes of running. Um, and I hope that people take something away from that, that you need to listen to your body and give it what it needs to put it through these amazing things that we can do. So inspiring. (laughs) And going back to when, um, when people approach you about your weight, or even when you have to justify as, as someone with a medical background, um, that, Hey, I know my body. I don't need to hear this from you. Do you find that it is more of a challenge as even as, as a Latina going to a doctor's office as a plus size Latina and assumptions being made about why you are at the weight that you're at? 
Yes, definitely. Uh, uh, it's a it's a hard topic for sure. But before I opened the practice, I had somebody tell me like, isn't your fear of, you know, if you have somebody who were to walk in your office and become a potential patient and that they they feel like they won't be able to connect with you because you're not, you know, thin like many doctors. And I said, if I experience that at my office, I you best believe that I probably won't be the best fit for them. And I will gladly tell them that because it's it's a two-way direction too with the office. I said, when, my, when patients apply, it's really to be a part of the office, I explain them everything that I do. And I always want them to feel open. And if I, you know, they realize it's not, or I, you know, they don't connect with me, then they're not gonna come back. I feel like you're gonna attract people that are meant to be uh, and part of your life and I it goes the same way with Latinos running and then same thing with my practice practice members who you know connect with me are going to be a part of the, pra the practice but they when they when I got that comment yeah it, it was like re wow <laughs> but I said uh I at least I told them what I am confident in is that I do my best to walk the walk mm -hmm. regardless of how I look I can, my patients will see that I have, you know, done races, that I have a running community, that I do my best to take care of my nutrition, do my best to educate. Um, I'm vocal about having polycystic ovarian syndrome and that I am very, and I will put that even in my description, when you book online, it says, I am a body positive doctor. And I believe that health does not look the same on everybody. So the healthy um, might not be the same for, you know, not like your health is not determined by how you look. And I remind that, and even with my patients, your health is not determined. There are people who are, you know, slim, who they're really struggling with all these conditions and then vice versa. And then there's people that I know, and I have physically seen 300 pounds and running full marathons. Yeah. And so I said, and uh, so things like that but yeah I I'm starting to stumble it and I and I feel but it just reminds me and I'm grateful for this experience I used to be a Zumba instructor and for many years I, I love dancing and if you see my post I dance here and there uh, I'm not a professional dancer I've never taken classes but I love dancing and so I almost didn't get Zumba certified because for many years I was like I, I'm not I can't wear those <laughs> like in the video and the Zumba and once I push past that point, do not um, let what people think stop you from being, in a, being able to teach and do what you love. I had 1.2 girls walk out of my class because of how they, they were judging me of how I looked. Um, and so having that experience, yeah, it kind of stung. You know, I, I, was, in, I was in undergrad teaching and uh, in college teaching. And then but then it, it served as, okay. And then I got to see Whitman just love, love me and come to my classes all the time. And it was just, but I'm, I'm grateful for those experiences that I have had. I have been judged because of my weight. I have been told at Disney World, be, you know, judged because of my weight. So I just don't, I, I just let it kind of brush off and the way I handle it now is differently, but I'm very big on you'll attract who was meant to be in your life, whether it's your personal or your professional setting. I am 
100% in agreement. And I love how you say through your practice and in your posts, health will look different on everyone. And I think I'm hoping that we're starting to turn a corner where we're separating health and weight loss because weight loss isn't a goal for everyone, but I think health is. Yes. Yes. And that also going back to that big word that is empowering. It makes health and a long, happy, healthy life more attainable for more people. Because if it's about weight loss, you're excluding so many people. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is because I have been judged. I have experienced medical fat phobia. I have been told that because of my weight, I was having these problems and it was never that. And that the a chiropractor was the first one to actually listen to me and listen to me beyond my weight and how I was on this, how much I weighed that day during my consultation. Uh, so just that's why I practice the way I practice and why really people now slowly are like, oh, I'm not getting uh, weight or I, you understand where I'm coming from or yeah, you're, you're healthy. And even people who are old, I tell them you can be an athlete. So that's my mindset. Everybody can be athletes in my office, whether you're starting here at 60 or you're starting here in 20. 100%. My mom, um, after the marathon, um, so my mom came to this country, uh, I think she was in her early twenties with two kids and not me, um, my two older siblings. And, um, so she didn't have also the opportunities to find out about racing and running and exercise and all of that. Um, and after I finished my marathon, she said, man, I want to do that. And I'm like, why not? like, you can, I mean, if you want, we can start with a half marathon. Now I just have to get her to like, get out there more consistently, but I know she can. And you can, you can get started on your journey whenever and for whatever reason. And I love that I get to have this conversation with you and, and reinforce that. I love everything you're putting out. I, I think, um, I hope to see Latinas running like flourish and have some big communities and, I really, really, I'm feeling um, emotional from this conversation because it is such a hopeful conversation. Oh, thank you so much uh, for sharing your journey too and allowing me to be a part of, of, you know, your podcast because it was, it was great. These spaces are needed and just being able to connect with another Latina, another runner is just so empowering hearing our stories. So thank you for for having this conversation with me. Absolutely. And though it hasn't been a year yet of running on optimism, very soon in January, uh, this is the first year that I've had this podcast. Uh, 2021 has definitely had its ups and downs, but I will point to this podcast and every single one of my guests as high points in my year. It's been amazing to share your stories. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you to everyone who's listened along. Share, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like. I really would love to grow this community. I find so much incredible inspiration and positivity through everyone I've spoken to, and I really cannot thank you all enough. Have a wonderful 
rest of the year. And uh, we'll chat again in 2022. Happy New Year!